Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, I don't know about you, but we're getting keg nasty up in the lab on this Wednesday. Welcome to Raging Review. Matt Miguez here. Man about town, Josh Jagno sits across from me. And we're coming home on Saturday. The boys are back in town. We've got an 11 a.m. kickoff against Georgia Southern. We're going to bring you the Behind Enemy Lines segment today. We will speak with the radio voice of Georgia Southern, Mr. Danny Reed, as well as Matt and Cody from the Gator Talk podcast, the fan podcast of Georgia Southern. And, you know, just a whole lot of excitement in the air right now here in Lafayette with the home opener being this Saturday. Josh, I'm going to let you talk about talk about that game 11 a.m. on ESPN2, but uh, tell, tell Cajun Nation why they need to, quote, get their asses to Cajun Field. Carry y'all asses to Cajun Field. Those seven to eight thousand of us that can get in, but this team—they're yeah, they're already a an historic team. They fully deserve our support, and they they expect our support. They uh, need our support, so we're gonna go do it, and we're gonna provide an atmosphere for them to win. And that's what our jobs are as fans and supporters and alumni and all that other stuff. So. I don't care what you're doing. Cook you a gumbo before you leave. Weather's supposed to be a little cool. Get your butt. Get up in the vehicle. Carry your ass to the swamp. Let's have a good time. Me, yeah. You know, like like we said, attendance was listed at 25%. Oh, yeah. Also, it's on the deuce, so you can wear some of your goofy get-ups. Yeah. Make asses of yourself. It's going to be fun. We'll have a yeah. good time. It'll be a good time, as always. You know, like, like I was saying, 25%, about 10,000 people. However, due to social distancing... I don't think that they're going to be able to get 10,000 people in the stands. Um, I'm thinking the number's probably more in the six to 8,000 range. Yeah. Uh, and I know that they've allowed 500 students to attend, but in about three hours, those 500 tickets were gone. Your boy tried to tell you. Completely gone. Tell people they can't come, and they'll come. That's so, what i for you. Josh, you know, I want to spend some time on this. You know, obviously... Like you said, this is already a historic team for the University of Louisiana. Is Lafayette finally excited about their college football? It's a shame that we're going through this right now for so many reasons, but I believe that the town would be on fire for football had COVID not happened. I think you would have seen a buzz and, and some fire under our fans like you've never seen before, especially returning home after the Iowa State win, uh, a, a road conference victory. I feel like the Swamp would be on fire, man, and it's unfortunate that we can't experience the way we should, but but we, we still need to do our part, and I think the people, the seven 8,000 are going to be there, will be loud, they'll be engaged. You know, it's a fun football team to watch. They play a great brand of ball. Well, I mean, what's not to love about Napier and Tony and, and everybody else on the staff? I mean, this is something to be proud of, and we have to do our very best to appreciate it for what it is because, look, guys, this is the good old days. 
this is happening right now. You, you will be telling these stories to your children in 10, 15, 20 years. These are the good old days right here. So soak it up as much as you can. And look, Matt, I didn't put this on the rundown, but I wanted to mention this. There's been several uh, comments on message boards and what have you about the ticket office and people upset about how the tickets and the reseating is being handled. Look, I know that's frustrating. If you've been sitting in the same chair bag for 25 years, yes, I understand that that is an inconvenience to have to move. Uh, I would caution everybody. It's not just you and your career or your neighbor in their job or whatever. Everybody is dealing and, you know, I don't know, evolving with this COVID stuff. We've never had to do this before. Our ticket office is already understaffed. We are losing thousands, millions of dollars this football season in revenue. There's only so much that we can do from a personnel standpoint. There's only so much that they can do from a planning standpoint. Give them a little grace. Give them a little mercy. There are good people that work in that office. Maybe they might not be the best in the business and the most professional and all this stuff. And I get all that. And, and the customer should always be right. I understand that, too. But keep in mind, OK, they're struggling, too. We have football in Lafayette that is being played at a very high level, nationally recognized. This is some this is a great time to be a football fan in Lafayette, Louisiana. Just try to keep it together. I see people trying to say, well, I'm, I'm letting go of my tickets because of all this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Continue to support. Do everything you can. You might have to be moved for a season. I'm sorry that happened to you, but but we've all been impacted by this. I just wanted to say that because I thought it was necessary. Yeah, no, there, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, there's been there's been a lot of fuss about that. I know I've, I've seen numerous people say that they were giving up their tickets, which I agree with you. That's just ridiculous. Hey, give them to me, okay? I'll uh, find somebody that wants them. People that quit because of some some... I don't even know what you want to call it. I mean, these are growing pains, essentially. They're having to move in real time. They're having to change in real time. If you hate your seats, give them to me. I'll, t- I'll find something to do with them. I'll take them. There you go. All right, guys. Cajuns in Vegas, uh, minus 500 on the money line. You know, obviously, I don't I don't think that – I don't know much about betting, but I don't think that bodes well for the Cajuns. Um, for every 100 you put down, you win five. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that bodes well for the Cajuns at all. Actually, that's that's the opposite. If you put down 500, you win one. Right. That's how heavily favored we are in this game against Which, a team that is very similar. And I, I'm. it's just mind-blowing that these numbers are what they are. The spread opened at 15. It is now minus 13.5 in favor of Louisiana. Crazy. I still think that's high. Crazy. Um, currently, 60% of the public money is on Georgia Southern. And it should be uh, because that yeah. number is, is, is stupid. Right. And then the over-under is currently sitting at 52.5, which I buy. I think that's very close. I think that's fair. Yep. I I said 37-27, so, you know, that's what, 64? Yeah. No, I think think somewhere in that ballpark is pretty pretty reasonable. I think anywhere between 55 and 52, somewhere. It's going to fall probably, I'd say about 53.5 it'll end up. I think that's very accurate. Yeah. You know, last year the Cajuns went to Statesboro and won in – Dominating fashion. Really got it going early, punched him in the mouth early, and I don't think they ever recovered. Now, we'll learn later when we speak to Danny about all the different things they had to deal with, but uh, I expected Georgia Southern to be better last year. Now, I didn't. I also didn't know all the things that they were dealing with. Uh, and then also, you know, you had some special teams things that, that went on, but, but you need to throw that in, in the garbage. 
You need to throw that. Oh in yeah, there. I mean that last year doesn't matter. Georgia Southern is better this year, and I know that you didn't really see that against Campbell. You didn't see anything against Campbell. Right. A third of their roster couldn't play, but. If you look at them on paper and you know what they have returning and, and the, the ability to some of, the, of some of these guys, like a words like a Kennedy, they have some guys on defense that are really good. Um, 13 and a half is absurd. Uh, yeah. That's a crazy line. No, it totally is. This is going to be the Cajuns' third game of the season, and it will be the third style of team that the Cajuns have faced. You know, in, in your opinion, you know, this week is going to be physical, smash mouth, assignment type football. Yes. How, how did the Cajuns adjust from the previous two games, in your opinion? Well, we're going to find out because we don't know. You, you go up to Iowa State, and the plan is, look, they're going to spread us out with the passing game. Let's play attacking uh, style of football on defense. Let's be physical. Let's beat up the wide receivers at the line. Let's be very, very disciplined over the top. We were able to do it. Uh, we sent blitz from the middle and inside area uh, on, on the linebacker core, and it worked. Uh, one thing about Patrick Tony is that he's blitzing more, and it seems to work. He seems to have a pretty good knack when to send what uh, i like watching him uh you know execute his game plan so we'll see there uh georgia state wanted to spread you out with the run game and they were athletic and physical enough to do it for three quarters of that game um so we had to adjust to that and i don't know if we were even ready for how fast and physical that they would that they ended up being uh, but again it's a different style of offense a different style of team uh, and here we go on Saturday where Georgia Southern's coming in. They're going to bunch you up and then spread you out. They're, they're going to test you up the middle. They're going to test you on the powers, the counters. They're going to test you. They're going to stretch you. There's so many different things that you have to account for. Everybody has to get a hat on a hat. Everybody has to stay sound. we got to continue to leverage the edge. We have to, And we've done that well. We've done that well. But we have to do it extra, extra well on Saturday to be successful. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. Um, I, I agree with you on, on that front. You know, it, it's just going to come down to staying disciplined, staying mentally sharp. For 60 minutes, you have got to be on your game. Yeah. You can't miss. You can't bite. You can't get caught looking in the, back, the backfield. You can't get your ass whipped on the edge. That's very important. Our defensive linemen have got to disrupt the offensive line of Georgia Southern and let our linebackers tackle people, get in the gaps, and, and take on their man. We have to be very sound tackling. And I didn't bring that up yet because we have been pretty sound tackling. I love how physical our corners and safeties are, so I think that they'll be great in run support. But at the same time, everybody has got to take care of their job, their area. If we're in a zone for whatever reason, you got to stay home. you got to do what you have to do. You know what to do. Go out, execute. Don't think. You should know by now we have a lot of experience on defense. Let's execute the game plan. Yeah, no, no question about it. Guys, before we go to break, we want to thank our sponsors, Priority Access Urgent Care, Russo Exploration, Schilling Distributing, Award Master, PSC Supply and Hardware, Escape Reality Travel Agency, Vaulted Security, and Gulf Coast Bank. Guff, Gulf Coast Bank. Um, you know, one thing we want to mention when we're talking about sponsors, PSC Supply and Hardware, in their commercial, we, we've learned that there is a there is an error with their website. Itty bitty teeny little yeah. Mi micro micro error. It says PSC Supply and Hardware PSCSupply.com. It is PSCSupply.co. That's co. So take take the M off. Um, yeah, and as always, if you go to our website RadioReviewPod.com, you scroll through the sponsors at the top. If you click on PSC's logo, it will take you directly to their website. Um, and trust me, you want to check out their website. Absolutely. They have everything you platinum, could possibly imagine. Platinum trailer, Traeger dealer, uh, sell on propane every Saturday. 
like just just a down home. Not South to mention, Louisiana. yeah, they're very they're local, and Willie has the coolest memorabilia in that shop. He's oh, got what? signed jerseys and balls and all kinds of stuff in there. It's worth going to check out just what he has in memorabilia. So go check out Willie. They have everything you could possibly need: tailgating, outdoor cooking, grilling, whatever. Yeah, no doubt about it, guys. When we come back, we will be joined by the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Mr. Danny Reed, uh, offers us a, a great insight into the program and what he expects from. The game on Saturday, and he even throws us a good Jay Walker story. Danny's a pro. Very, very fun conversation. All that and more right here on Region Review when we come back. The name of the song, Bad Luck City. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Wynwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes Across 16 NCAA sports, you can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Cajun Nation, welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Josh Jagno, man about town, sits across from me. Josh, you know, we, we've given the, the lead up to the game. We've talked attendance. We've talked, you know, it's finally time to, for Lafayette to be excited about football. You know, we've gotten through all that. Now it's time to go behind enemy lines. And what better way to go behind enemy lines than to get the play-by-play radio voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles Mr. Danny Reed. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this morning? Doing well, boys. I appreciate you having me on today. No, absolutely. And, you know, before we dive into the game, you know, we, we, we were put in contact with you by the man, the myth, the legend that is Jaybird Walker. <laughs> so before we, we before we dive into the game, we want to know your best Jay Walker story. Oh, my God. Man, you're throwing the bombs early. It's all right. Uh, if even if it's not suitable for work, even better. Right, absolutely. Jeez. 
I was not expecting that question. You you hit me with man. Sorry, uh, sorry to put you on the spot there, Danny. But look, this is not KPL fourteen twenty, buddy. We hit the we hit the hard questions over here. <laughs> I, all right, I'll make a deal with you. Let me think about that while we're doing this. Ask me that at the end because I want to think of something good. Okay, we'll we'll come back to that. Love it. Okay, so you know, right off the bat, obviously Georgia Southern has a has a distinct winning tradition. You know, winning winning a few national championships down in FCS, and then also winning a a Sun Belt Conference title in their in their short time in the conference. Danny, how strong is that is that winning feeling in Statesboro coming into twenty twenty? A lot of people expected this to be the year, and you think about making the move to the FCS in twenty fourteen when you didn't know exactly how it was going to go. The year before in 13, there were some roadblocks trying to make the transition, even though Jeff Bunkin's final game resulted in a win over Florida in Gainesville. And then Willie Fritz takes over for 2014. They move away from that tried and true flex phone to the pistol and the gun version of the option with Doug Roos calling the plays. And it clicked right away. The offensive line was outstanding. You had Matt Breed, L.A. Ramsby in the backfield, Kevin Ellison and Fabian Upshaw with a quarterback, eight no in Sunbelt play. Nobody had ever made the trump and gone undefeated in conference play in the FBS. So that was that was huge. The next year, even though Coach Fritz ended up leaving, going to a bowl game for the first time ever, winning the GoDaddy Bowl, and then getting off course for a couple of years. Coach Lunsford has things restabilized with 18 wins. And since he officially took over full go for the start of the 2018 season, this year, though, was the one that was circled with 25 seniors getting 11 guys that were enrolled mid-year. Shy Wirtz, Wesley Kennedy, J.D. King, all seniors. Rashad Bird on defense, a senior, Raymond Johnson, Randy Wade, NFL draft prospects were all seniors. And then you throw COVID in, and it tilted that a little bit because as much as this was anticipated, COVID has just taken your attention away from everything that you knew and you thought about going into the season because everything is tied into this. And now we talked about this on our own podcast just a couple of days ago, that we've gone to a point of not hoping whether you win or lose every weekend, but if you can simply play every weekend and that changes hour by hour and it can get frustrating especially from georgia southern's perspective losing a game last week to florida atlantic eagles were good all week long expecting fau to make the trip on friday for the saturday game and then they announced on friday morning they can't do it because they've had a a cluster i think they had as many as 18 positive tests and they weren't going to be able to field a competitive team so at this point it's I think Georgia Southern knows what it has whenever they can get everybody on the field and maybe not playing last week while it would have been beneficial to see what they had. I think that this is knock on wood, the healthiest that Georgia Southern has been probably since the beginning of camp on August 7th, because guys have been able to heal a little bit more and they've had to get through their own COVID issues. And it's more contact tracing than actually positive tests. I think that's what a lot of people have discovered about trying to get through all this. But once Georgia Southern has everything ready to go, I think it is going to be a team that is competitive in this conference, and they're going to be in the same breath as a Louisiana and an Appalachian State. Danny, I want to focus in on Chad Lunsford and his staff so far, going into their third full season uh, of duty. What what does, uh, you know, 
how does Danny Reed grade Chad Lunsford and the coaches that he's been able to hold on to through his third or going into his third year? Considering what he had to deal with whenever he was named the head coach at the end of 2017 during the worst season in school history and 0-9 start, the improvements that he made, you could feel it right away. So from the standpoint of having to go from 2-10 and 10 to 10 wins, then another bowl game last year, first time since moving up, going to back-to-back bowls, you have to give him an A for his effort. And I think that Georgia Southern got it right by hiring the guy that they needed to at the time that they needed to do it. The Tyson Summers experiment did not work out as much as as much as you want to see people succeed. It just did not work. Five and thirteen over eighteen games. He was let go after the zero and six start in seventeen. Chad lost his first three games, though you could argue that he could have won at least a couple of those games. The, the Georgia State one really hurt, leading by 10 points with about a minute to go in the third quarter and then falling on a late touchdown to Penny Hart. But then being 0-9, beating South Alabama on senior day, going to Louisiana, only trip Georgia Southern's ever had down there. I'm sure you guys know that. And then winning that game, going away 34-24. And even though it was a unfortunate end by losing to Coastal the next week to finish the season, you could feel there was momentum. You could feel that, Things were turning a little bit. 18 was a dream. Five turnovers all year, leading the country in turnover margin. Shywerts had one of the best seasons a quarterback has ever had at Georgia Southern. Ten wins happened. You win the Camellia Bowl on a walk-off field goal for Tyler Bassett. I know that you guys talked about that with Jay a few weeks ago, and that, that's the moment that Eagle Nation is always, always going to keep at the front of their minds. And some looked at last year as a step back, but considering everything that they went through, with a freshman offensive lineman, Jordan Wiggins, committing suicide in late October. The offensive line was never healthy. Shy Wirtz's legal situation, and then it ultimately being revealed a week later that it was <laughs> bird droppings, for lack of a better word. And then just everything else that just kept piling on and piling on, whereas in 2018 it just seemed to click. Nothing seemed to click last year, but still, seven wins, a bowl game, and the way that Chad understands this place, what works at this place, what culture means here, and how much football means to people in this town and people that are affiliated with this program, he was the right hire, he is the right guy, and he is going to continue to be that guy because I don't know if there's anybody that can better understand this place at this point in Georgia Southern's history than him. You just said a mouthful there. I have about 15 follow-ups, but I, I want to touch on something that you mentioned. Uh, obviously, 2020 has had its number of challenges uh, socially, uh, athletically, everything. The, the Shy Words situation, uh, anyone who followed the story closely, that was a debacle. I, I'm curious, and I never was able to speak to anyone that could you know, speak to it in a specific way. You probably can. What did that situation do in the locker room? And what did it do? Georgia Southern has a proud history and a proud fan base. What did what did that situation, how did it affect the fan base? When you hear something like that, especially when it involves probably your most important player, the quarterback at Georgia Southern, known for the option with whatever scheme it's running. When you hear something like that, your eyebrows go up because you automatically think what you do. You want to avoid what could be the worst situation, but that does 
slip into your thoughts, whether you want to or not, you, you, you can't help it. But knowing the kind of kid that Shy was and still is, it helped us remember that, look, this is out there. I mean, he was arrested for possession of cocaine. He had the speeding charge, which he does not, which he does not dispute, but the cocaine was obviously garbage because eight days later, the charges were dropped once the substance on the toes was found to be, as I said before, bird droppings. And that was a whole situation. The deputy who was in charge of that has since been relieved of his duties up in Saluda, South Carolina. So he was properly exonerated, but thinking even to the year before, his family home, his grandmother's home in Clinton, South Carolina burned down. So that was just another thing that he was dealing with. And that was barely a year ago. And then he deals with this. And now he's been at the front of the whole trying to remedy the social injustice that everybody is, is dealing with and trying to promote positivity and ways that people can help. He's been sharing ways that people can donate to help African-American businesses and that's been going on for months now. He helped lead a march along with Richard senior linebacker Rashad Bird a couple of weeks ago on campus. So he has been as positive as he can be to try to promote this in the right way. But when all this was going down, I think people, since they knew what kind of kid shy was because of all that he had been through and all that Eagle Nation had seen him go through, I think they understood that it was a matter of time before that this was going to get turned around in the right way. He came to campus the next day after the charges had been filed against him. He had to pass a drug test here before he could compete. And technically he was suspended for two days. But once he was tested, it came back negative, which a lot of people expected. He was allowed to resume football activities, even though at that point he was not going to be eligible to play in the first game against LSU until that case had been settled, which it was eight days later, charges were dropped. But the mental process that, that that guy has to go through every day, the, the, the terror that had to be going through his mind and the dash cam video being released and seeing how wide his eyes were and wondering if maybe he could have been a George Floyd or an Ahmaud Arbery and maybe we're talking about the memories of Shawworth instead of him still being the quarterback for Georgia Southern University and having a chance to show people that the guy that played last year was one that was not mentally there. And he got hurt as well. He got hurt in that LSU game. He still put up decent numbers, but he's admitted this. He's, he wasn't the guy that he felt he needed to be for his team. But now he thinks he's got peace of mind. He understands what his team needs. And those guys and the fans of this great team, they respect him that much more for what he's gone through to be as poised as he was and to be as strong as he was and to lead this team back to where he feels it should be. And that's just not in the huddle with those guys. That's off the field and being a positive guy for this Statesboro community and being somebody that Eagle Nation can really look up to. I appreciate you addressing that. I thought it was pertinent with everything going on, so I appreciate that. Uh, Back on the field, uh, if you look at what Georgia Southern was and wasn't able to to do last season. Uh, Several close games stick out at you. Uh, In particular, you went on the road and and really had a chance to beat Minnesota, who was a a solid club last year. You went, obviously, on the road to App State and got a nice win against a ranked opponent. Uh, Obviously, there's a a rivalry there, so that wasn't expected. You had a little weather in that game as well. Uh, I'm kind of curious, 
what maybe was the missing link last year? Obviously, outside of the things you just mentioned with health and whatnot, I know you lost some offensive linemen and there were other other key injuries, uh, especially with Shy and everything. But what what else was just something not there or was there some inexperience in key roles or what do you think? What do you think was the missing uh, piece, ingredient, whatever you want to call it, that maybe this year you might have? It just always felt like it was something. The App State game was the one game where everything worked, and it had to, because when you're playing the number 20 team in the country at their place, who, oh, by the way, was the top-ranked team in Sunbelt history and at a place where Georgia Southern had not won in 12 years and had only won four times ever, the Rock has not been a kind place to Georgia Southern. Last time they had won up there was when App was number one in the country, two-time defending national champions in the FCS way back in 2007. So this is already a house of horrors for Georgia Southern football. But to go up there to physically dominate the game, to run for that many yards, to break big runs, that was the first time that App had trailed by double digits all season. They were 7-0 and going into that game. They had never really been tested by anybody. But Georgia Southern goes into their house on national television, is able to do that. So you knew that it was there, but that was really the only game all of last season where it just seemed to work. Now on defense, the issues were not being able to work with passing tempo teams, whether it was Troy, Arkansas State, Liberty, LSU. I mean, everybody had problems with LSU last year, understandably so. But the Eagles gave up over 240 yards a game through the air last year. That was the most in school history, 20 passing touchdowns. That was the most in school history. Could not stop teams that threw the ball with a quick pace. And it confused you because you had two three-year starters at corner in Monquavian Brinson and Kendall Vildor. Now both of them are gone with Kendall playing for the Chicago Bears. You had a good safety core in Donald Rutledge, Kendrick Duncan. Rutledge was a practice squad guy for the Indianapolis Colts. Duncan scheduled to be a hopefully return this weekend. He did not play against Campbell in the opener. But it just it, it just didn't seem to be there. Could not slow down the passing game. And then on offense, I think what the problem was is just not getting into advantageous third down situations. You can tie that into whatever. Not being good enough on first downs. Not being able to overcome penalties. But Georgia Southern was 32% on third downs last year. That's the worst they've been in 13 years. This is an offense that wants to get into third and one through third and three because you're geared for it. Time of possession, lots of plays, not very many drives, and hopefully end with touchdowns. And not getting into good enough third down situations prevented them from not being good enough in the red zone. And I think about the Louisiana game last year. Cajuns got in the red zone, they scored touchdowns. Georgia Southern got in the red zone, they kicked field goals. And I think that was ultimately the difference in that game. And this stuff like that, it just kept popping up when Georgia Southern needed to win, like that Troy game after beating App State nine days before. Just They just couldn't get it done for those reasons. So obviously with, with that conversation that we just had, you know, Shy Wirtz is clearly 100% ready to play football. Should we, should we expect to see – Georgia Southern throw the ball around a little bit more this year. I know that the shy was battling injury most of the year last year. So what 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 is him being healthy? Does that add a extra effect to the passing game? Well, before spring ball was shut down, OC Bob DeBest said that he wanted to 
in his words, revamped, fine-tuned that passing game. And, yeah, it cost some people a different way because for an option team, you're looking at running the ball between 45 and 55 times per game. But even though Georgia Southern was close to that against Campbell, they still threw the ball 16 times. Now, last year, they averaged about 12 passes per game. And I think that that's okay with where they were at in their offensive development because I still think there are parts of the playbook where Coach DeBest hasn't gone to yet because he wants to make sure that the running game is at a place where he can open up the passing game and then use that to, you know, whatever combination that he feels necessary. I do think that they want to throw the ball more, and I think that they've got options to do it this year. Arion Anderson's a redshirt senior who's got all the ability in the world, hasn't had a chance to show it to everyone as consistently as he wants to. He only has 14 career catches, but he's averaging 27 yards a catch for his career. I think if he gets a chance more, if he's throwing the ball more, he can really flourish. He's a guy that had Jake Fromm as his quarterback at Houston County High School. And then on the other side, Dexter Carter is another senior that's been mostly a special teams guy. I think if given the opportunity out of the slot, he can do something. Malik Murray is somebody that's become a starter the last two years, a former walk-on. Najee Thompson is someone that had made the move from defensive back to wide receiver two years ago. He had four catches against the Cajuns last year. He's a high school track champion of the state of South Carolina. I think that if he can get comfortable enough, he is somebody that can be a threat catching the football. And Georgia Southern, make no mistake, they are still going to be a team that runs the football a lot. It's going to be Kennedy. It's going to be King, LaRoche, Wright, Shy Works, of course. But if they can throw the football, simply doing it when they want to and not when third and 10 to 15 tells them, oh, we got to throw the ball, otherwise Anthony Beck's coming on the field and just to give the football back. But maybe throw the ball on first down and 10, maybe be able to throw the ball on second and three instead of always feeling like you have to bash it through the middle. Offensive flexibility with the weapons that they have is only going to make them better instead of simply having to rely on the three yards and a cloud of dust mentality. Danny, that sounds scary. Sure does. <laughs> but you know, because because just you know the option offense is just so hard to stop. And then if you if you can do the pass game well on top of an option game, Jesus Christ. But anyways, uh, you know, you guys lost three offensive linemen last year to injury. Um, all those guys are obviously returning to an already solid unit. And then you're returning your top three running backs from last year, which is which again is another scary thing for many opponents. Uh, dive into that a little bit. What are you guys expecting out of those two units for this season? Well, the offensive line, knock on wood, after having seven different combos last year, you would like to think that it's going to be an improved unit simply because of more bodies and guys settling into certain situations. Look at the new left tackle, Brian Miller, who started every game in 2018 on the right side, but had an unfortunate hip injury at the end of camp last year, missed the entire season, had a long rehab process. He wasn't cleared for full go until about two weeks before the Campbell game, but finally was unleashed, moved him over to the left side. And then there, there have been a couple of other guys shuffled around. Logan Langmeyer has taken over center. Georgia Southern had to experiment with three different centers last year, had a heck of a time getting snaps the first four games of the season. Langmeyer is somebody that played at Jacksonville, non-scholarship program that had its program terminated back in the spring. So he needed somewhere to play. He didn't get here until after spring practice had been shut down. He started there for two years at tackle, so I think at center, there there still is a bit of a learning curve. You get Aaron Dowdell back at left guard. He missed seven games a year ago because of a broken foot. I think he's maybe top to bottom 
He's Georgia Southern's meanest offensive lineman. I think Brian Miller is the best O lineman. I think Dowdell, though, has a bit of a mean streak and somebody you need up front if you're going to run the option. Will Crowder made his first career start against Campbell. I think that they they like what they've seen him. They weren't sure what they had initially because he didn't play really his first two years. Making the move from scout team, he was a center, and they moved him to guard to see what they had. He's got the build where he can get under people with his low center of gravity. And then Drew Wilson at right tackle, that's, that's a story in itself because he missed all of 2018 because he had four different surgeries for a detached retina. He was the Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year nationally, and he got the award for that at the Fiesta Bowl that year. He stepped in a year ago whenever Brian Miller was out for the season. The ironic thing is that Miller stepped in for Drew when Drew was out in 2018, and now they get a chance to bookend the offensive line. So I think that unit is going to be improved. And when they're led by Brian Hudson, who I'm sure you guys know from his six-year tenure at Louisiana, I think they're in good hands, and they really enjoy working under him and learning from him. And then running back-wise, you've got every single carry and every single yard back from 2019. That's the first time since 1997 that Georgia Southern has had every rushing yard back. Kennedy didn't play in week one. He's slated to be back this weekend. And he just he gives you everything. He just gives you a sizzle. There is an energy whenever he is on the field, whether it's running the football, catching the football, in the return game. He just gives you something that is really tough to describe until you watch him. And he didn't play in that game against the Cajuns last year, but his freshman year in 17, he had a 77-yard run in the fourth quarter where I think we looked around and said, okay, there's there's something to him. Once he gets settled and comfortable, I think that there's a punch that he delivers for that offense. You have J.D. King and Logan Wright as your hammers. You have Matt LaRoche to step in where where needed. He's more of a speed back. They call him speedy for a reason, but he has really added strength. And I think he runs well on the interior. Gerald Green is somebody that's shown what he can do in certain situations a year ago out of East Coweta in West Georgia. And then Jalen White is somebody that hasn't been unleashed yet. He's the freshman out of Haleville in Alabama. He set the Alabama State rushing record last year and I think could be really good. And with everybody getting that year of eligibility back for 2021, I think you could be free to play certain guys that maybe you wouldn't if they're deemed ready to go. So maybe Jalen White gets his first action this weekend and he can show some people what he's all about too. Well, I fully expect that that front to be ferocious and ready to go. And I know you're going to be up for the game. I am curious about the defensive line. And I see that you guys are pretty much replacing half of your defense from 2019, um, maybe moving around some pieces in the secondary as well. Uh, can you maybe educate us a little bit on the new faces? What kind of experience do you have coming back? Maybe some of them not totally new. Maybe they have some some snaps, uh, snaps under their belt. Uh, just curious about defense. The front seven is pretty set, but the, a lot of the new faces were the secondary. You had two first-time starters at corner against Campbell, the redshirt freshman Derek Canteen out of Evans. He was a special teams guy and played four games. In 2019, on the other side, Deontay Bembry had to step in because Daryl Baker did not play against Campbell. Baker is expected back. And I think that he steps in at starter. Ephraim Kitchen, the Louisiana Tech transfer, I'm sorry for saying that, but because we're on a Rage and Gage podcast, but I do expect him to be involved this weekend. He's somebody that didn't play against Campbell. And then on the back end, not having Kendra Duncan in week one forced guys like Javon Jackson, Sam Randolph, Shalen Howard, Javon Singletary to step in. Singletary had a really nice game. He had seven tackles, setting a career high. 
And then Treon Pace, another guy, he played Class A ball at Pelham High in Georgia. He's a teammate of Cassius Allen, who I know is not going to play for the Cajuns this year. There's guys and there's talent. There just isn't a whole lot of experience on that back end. I think the more that they do it, the more that they're going to find out. And that's something that we saw going from the first half to the second half against Campbell in week one. The front seven, though, I really like. I mentioned Raymond Johnson and Randy Wade earlier. I think they're guys that both have NFL potential. Johnson has been on NFL radars for a couple of years now. He had two sacks and three TFLs against Campbell. C.J. Wright is the nose in the 3-4. I think that he should be ready to go this week. Dylan Springer and Justin Ellis on the other edge. And then the two inside linebackers. You, you can't say a whole lot more about Rashad Bird. He is such a well-rounded guy, outstanding football player, two times all-conference, has such an impact in the community. He, he is a joy to interview. We had him on our coaches show on Monday night, and I always enjoy visiting with him. Raynard Ellis is the other inside linebacker, transferred in two years ago from Furman. He was second on the or Actually, he led the team in tackles last year. He, he doesn't look six feet 230 until he hits you, and I heard a bunch of Georgia Southern skill guys say, look, he can move. He doesn't look like it, but once he hits you, you remember he hits you. And I think for Raynard, he fits into this defense really well. And when Bird looks his side and sees Ellis and Ellis vice versa, I, I think that Georgia Southern has one of the better inside linebacker combos in this conference. Danny Reed, play-by-play voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles is our guest. Danny, you know, unit matchups is something that we definitely love to to dive into with our guest because, you know, it just gives the fan base, you know, the best look at the at the game on Saturday. In your opinion, what unit matchup favors the Eagles on Saturday? Oh, that is that is a good question. I I, I want to say punter, but I think that that's pretty even considering how good Reese Burns is and was a year ago. I think Anthony Beck is somebody that, has garnered a lot of respect. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. But granted, if the game goes well for both, we may not see either of them very much. You want to say running backs, but I think that it's relatively even because of the amount of depth that Georgia Southern has. But I also look at Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis and where they rank in Cajun football history in terms of yards and touchdowns. I look at the quarterback situation. I think that's relatively close with Shy Wirtz and Levi Lewis. They both wear the same number. And that's really what strikes me. It's not so much about which unit I would favor, but it's that the teams are so similar in a lot of different ways. I love listening to Billy Napier talking. In various interviews and press conferences, he has used the phrase wide blockers. And that's what Georgia Southern has affectionately called its wide receivers for 35 years now. He has used the phrase good to great before. He has used the phrase blue collar. And it it, it almost seems like at times he is talking about a Georgia Southern kind of culture, or maybe you guys would look at it as Chad Lunsford talking about a Louisiana kind of culture, and maybe they just share the same ideas as coincidental as it is. I I just think that both are very similar in that they want to win the battle up front. They want to be able to run the football. They want to be able to control the clock and then, use their defense, whether it's a three-man front generating pressure with the line or using that pressure off the edge on third and long to try to get punt units onto the field. I just think they go at it in very similar ways. So it's it's almost tough to say which unit would be favored because even with Georgia Southern's wideouts, you can look at them and say they don't have a whole lot of catches in their career, but they're not geared for it. 
I think the Cajuns have more because their offense is a little bit more geared towards the pass. They're not true option, even though there is some midline when you're talking about that pistol. But so many of the groups when going against each other seem so similar. And I know the Cajuns are 19th of the country. But I think the edge, it's simply going to be physicality. If there is one thing that would separate one team from the other, somebody's got to be more physical than the other. And I think Georgia State for a while last Saturday was the more physical team up front. But I think the depth-wise, they just wore down a little bit. I think the Cajuns had more so from that standpoint. You could see in the third quarter when Mitchell started to break free and when the Cajuns started getting off the field more, I think you saw the level of physicality shift from state to Louisiana, and that's why you guys were able to get that win. There are several things going into this game that don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, for instance, this ridiculous line, because the teams are so similar, and some of this stuff is just absurd. And that 19 next to our name, I throw that out. From my point of view, you can throw that out. I don't care about that right now. I, I am I'm very, very concerned about this game, and I'm not just telling you that. I would tell you the truth. If I thought that I was way better than you, I would let you know. I think that Georgia Southern is a very formidable, formidable opponent, and I think that if anybody thinks we're just going to show up and bulldoze at that team on Saturday, they're nuts. Uh, at any rate, I know we're interviewing you, but I wanted to say this. I, as far from a, from a unit matchup standpoint, what I'm going to be looking for is if Georgia Southern's offensive line can get to the second level and how how uh, effective that is, uh, how successful they are at that. If our defensive line cannot eat up those guys and they're able to just move as they wish, it's going to be a long day at the office for the Cajuns. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, I do have a question about newcomers that you are high on, maybe a name that we're not necessarily familiar with. Who do you expect to kind of burst onto the scene opening up conference with the Cajuns on Saturday? Well, the one that everybody is waiting to see is Jalen White, and I mentioned him earlier. He ran for, <laughs> I think it was 3,700 yards last year. He averaged 16 yards a carry his senior year at Daleville High in Alabama. Now, when you've got six running backs that you could potentially use, yeah, the pecking order can be difficult, especially when you've got two all-conference guys at the top of that list and Kennedy and King. Defensively, I really like Sam Randolph, the safety. He played a little bit in the opening weekend. I don't expect him to start by any shape or by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that he is somebody that's going to be involved. And then on defense, if there's a chance to see a little bit more of Derek Canteen, I think that he's tough. I think he's a gamer. And I also think the same about Tyler Bride, the freshman quarterback out of Greater Atlanta Christian, somebody that lets you know what he thinks <laughs> when he hits you on defense. He's he's very confident about who he is. I think he's cut out of that Monquavian Brinson cloth where he's a team guy, but he just goes about it a little bit differently. And when the lights came on last Saturday or the Saturday before rather against Campbell, there was no flinch in him. He went in. He looked like he had been doing it for multiple years. I thought he played really well. And I think that in this situation, you go into a weekend thinking what you're going to have, and then you find out, okay, this is what we actually do have. In that first game, Georgia Southern was without a lot of impact players, so Bride had to step in in his first college game and I think performed a lot better than maybe anybody was anticipating. But those, those will be some of the ones that you could watch. Whether they get in or not, we'll see. But I think a lot of that could change by the time that Georgia Southern gets down there this weekend. All right, Danny, I look, 
I, like I said, I think it's going to be a very even matchup. This, this spread is this, this absurd. Uh, anyway, what do you think the ceiling is for Georgia Southern? I apologize for the pause there. I, I think that Georgia Southern, if there is a roster that is close to full strength, did not have anywhere near that against Campbell for a lot of reasons. And the 33 guys that were inactive got totally overblown where it just had the feel that it was all COVID related. That was not true. That was a combined injury situation, suspension, coach's decision. And then there was a decent amount of contact tracing, which if you have that in some ways, it can be worse than actually contracting the virus itself. But I will say that Georgia Southern, just like Louisiana, has had really low numbers in terms of who's been positive from what Coach Lunsford has reported over the last few months. So that has definitely been a positive, trying to move and play this season with as much confidence as possible. But I think that if Georgia Southern can be as close to full strength as they can be, I I don't expect everybody back. I, I don't think that that's reasonable yet. But I do think that there's been enough time between the Campbell game and now to get at least most, if not 75, 80% of those guys back. I don't think that we've fully seen what this team is capable of just because when you have 15 guys that aren't in the two deep that don't play, then you're not getting a true picture of what you have. Now, I think that against Campbell, the benefit of that was you could see what certain guys could do when maybe you didn't know before, like a Tyler Bride, like a Sam Randolph guys that had to play like an outside linebacker in Jalen Jackson, a freshman out of Athens who the coaching staff is really high on. You can see what those guys are capable of when they're thrust in and playing college football for the first time. I don't care if it's an FCS team. Campbell's quarterback, Hosmalik Williams was outstanding. He had 310 yards of total offense. Campbell probably should have won the game, but they missed the two point conversion at the end. They missed an extra point earlier. So they were going for two in the win instead of, Kicking an extra point for the win, that was a huge part of that, missing that extra point they did during the first quarter. But I, I just think that if Georgia Southern can take its, take most of its compliment on that plane down to Lafayette this weekend and they can execute their game plan, they feel, they feel that this is a game that they can and maybe should win. In the past, taking down a ranked Appalachian State team In 2018 at Paulson, 2019 in Boone that we had talked about before. And from what I can find, there's only been one G5 team in the last six years that's beaten a ranked team in three straight seasons. Houston did it four straight years from 2015 through 2018. So this would be historic, not just from the standpoint of Georgia Southern being the highest ranked team in league history, but also doing something that only one other like team has done in the last six years. So I think that that's something that they want to do and they're equipped to do it if they can get everybody back the way that they need. All right, Danny, you know, I, I don't want to throw you into, into, into a commentator's curse, but uh, what, what, what's your prediction for Saturday? <laughs> that everybody plays, everybody gets out of it healthy. That's my <laughs> prediction. <laughs> hey, I, I like it. And uh, you know, before we, before we let you go, we're going to, we're going to walk back to, to question number one. <laughs> what's your what's your best Jay Walker story? Or worse, the worst the worst is probably a better way to say. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not in the right frame of mind to tell the worst one, but I'll, I'll tell the most recent one. It is the last time that Jay and I were in the same place calling a game together. It would have been the second round of the basketball tournament, and this is the last time that before the Iowa State game that Jay had been on the microphone. It was March 9th. 
It was the day that Jared Benko was announced as Georgia Southern's new athletic director. He wasn't going to take over for another few weeks, but he was there that night watching that game and seeing the Cajuns get up 16 points with just over 11 minutes left. Cedric Russell couldn't miss. Jalen Johnson couldn't miss in the first half. It was it, it was a ridiculous shooting performance, and then Georgia Southern, after not being able to throw it in the ocean, started getting to the rim, started knocking down some threes, got ahead with about a minute left, and then watching Malik Wilson's shot at the buzzer hit the rim twice and fall off. I, I don't know that I've ever heard Hanner Fieldhouse that loud and a crowd that's been that into the game, but I do know that by the time the game was over, I've never sweat that much in my life calling a basketball game. Now, I've been to some minor league baseball stadiums that don't have air conditioning in the middle of the summer in the southeast where it's been pretty brutal. But I have never sweat that much in my life calling a basketball game. And Jay just kept looking over at me. And at the end of the game, I said, Jay, what in the hell are you looking at? And he said, if you don't stop, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> I, started, I didn't know what to say. I was only 34. <laughs> the, the way that he said it, because he's there nice and calm. He's seen a lot more games than I have. I'm just in buckets. But just the way that he said that, he wasn't leaving until the next day. So we had a chance to spend some time that night just talking about the game and wondering where all this was going to go, if we were going to be able to finish basketball season, that baseball was even going to happen. And I mean, hell, it was three days later when we all had it taken away. So knowing that that was kind of the way to close the curtain on last athletic season, that was that, that was special for a couple of different reasons. And we always we always enjoy the time we get a chance to spend with Jay and Brad and and Craig and and all you guys. It, it, it's it's gotten to be a really close relationship, and we always look forward to the competition with you guys. God, that Jay Walker impression was impeccable. It was perfect. Hey, Danny, it's a good thing you didn't tell us from the top that you did minor league baseball because I'd have peppered, with, peppered you with questions from the road, man. I love that stuff. Uh, we would need a lot more time to talk about minor league ball on the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Danny, we, we appreciate you joining us, man. Before you go, tell everybody where, uh, where they can find you and, and your crew on social media. You can follow our crew on Twitter at GF Sports Network. You can follow me personally at GS Eagles voice, Eagles plural, at GS Eagles voice. Awesome. Love that. Danny, once again, thank you so much for joining us and uh, hope, hope you enjoy Lafayette this weekend. Thanks, Danny. Listen, appreciate you very much. Have a great call. You got it, guys. Thank you very much. There he goes, Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. We'll step aside and take a break. When we come back, Matt and Cody of the GATA Talk podcast joins us to give another insider look on this Saturday's contest with the Eagles. Stay right here. We'll be right back. Great interview. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. 
This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Agent Nation, welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Josh Jagno, and we appreciate the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed, taking some time with us to discuss this weekend's game with the Eagles. And we are now going to be joined by Matt and Cody of the GATA Talk podcast, a fan podcast, kind of like us from Georgia Southern. Matt and Cody, welcome into the show, guys. How are y'all? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing well. Doing fine. Doing fine. Doing well. So, you know, we're about 72-ish hours away from kickoff here on Wednesday. And, you know, right off the bat, guys, I'm going to let you guys kind of talk about the podcast, how you guys started and how how you've grown into into what you are now. And I would also add on to that, why did you start? Sure. Do you want to take it or do you want me? You go ahead. All right. So, yeah, we started this. Back in 2018, um, kind of the summer of 18, started earlier that year, obviously, the conversations um, of it. And it was basically, I'm sure, probably the same reason you guys started. You know, we, we saw kind of a void um, of not having a podcast for Georgia Southern, at least at the time. Uh, now, you know, actually that year, two other podcasts launched, uh, one, one from the school, one from a regional newspaper. But, uh, but yeah, at, at the time, you know, we had some blogs, destination and whatnot. Um, along with newspaper coverage, obviously local TV coverage, but no podcast. So we just we just saw it as a piece that that people you know like to like to listen to. And, and uh, so yeah, I got talking, came up with game, and you know, been yeah, the rest of So we we've been doing it. It's our third season, um, and we think it's the time to do it. Obviously, coming off of two really bad years there. In 16 and 17, and then of course had the big turnaround in 2018 with hiring of Ted Lunsford, um, going from uh, 10 losses to 10 wins, uh, you know, in, in one season. So, uh, you know, it, it would have been 
very different. I know, you know, you guys talked to Danny Reed and he kind of came on uh, during those summers years um, and then and things got better. But uh, we think it's a good time to start it and I've enjoyed doing it. And, and he's got a really good response. Yeah, Matt picked a great time to start it right, right there, right before Billy got here. So uh, timing was good for us. But what has been the response? Are you guys uh, getting the attention that you expected? Is it more or less? Uh, just curious about that. I mean, I, I would say about what we expected. I, you know, we were optimistic about it, but um, it's, we, we've definitely grown you know, through the years. We've got better. Uh, you know, so back to look to our early episodes, so hopefully you kind of hear a di- difference and hear the improvement. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, with with those other, other podcasts that I mentioned, Danny Reed, you know, does one of them, and he does a great job. Um, but they're, they're all very different, you know, so we – as fans in, you know, we're, we're not employed by the school. Um, you know, we, we do this as kind of a passion project, uh, for us. So we're, we're able to be a little bit harder on the team. We're able to, um, you know, talk as, as fans would talk and then, and, and not, uh, you know, uh, gloss it up. Um, so with, uh, I think people appreciate, I think our fans appreciate that authenticity. Um, and you know, and we, we've seen it, Certainly this season so far, we just had one game under our belt, but it didn't go great. I didn't get the win, but I just one point win against Campbell. So, uh, you know, we were able to be, uh, you know, pretty critical and, and offer some you know, constructive criticism of um, what we saw. And, and people really appreciate that because we don't always get that with other outlets. Yeah, you know, that's exactly exactly why we started this one. Just, you know, give a different perspective and give the perspective that, you know, 80% of your fan base just be a, normal a, fans agrees with. Yeah. Be, be dudes, sit, sit down in a room and talk about what you experienced. So yeah, yeah. We, we can definitely, yeah. we can definitely relate to that guys. Uh, you know, like I said, 72 hours to kick off initially on paper. What is your thoughts about this matchup between the Cajuns and the Eagles? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's a tough one because we had 33 guys out that we didn't get to see play. Um, I think looking at it, if we get everybody back and healthy and ready to go, um, it should be really competitive. Now, I think my biggest question is our secondary. Um, I know that your quarterback's pretty good as far as how he can throw the deep ball, and he's pretty accurate with it too. Um, and we experienced that last year right off of the opening drive. You had, I think, one um, huge bomb that led to your opening score. So, um I mean, I think on paper we kind of match up well, but then again, I haven't seen them. I haven't really seen our team at full strength play, so that's that's the big question mark. Is really just how good are we? Um, and then, I mean, that'll get. I think that'll <laughs> that'll be proven uh, this Saturday. Yeah, you guys mentioned the Campbell game. Uh, what do you take away from that performance, if anything? I know a third of your roster didn't even step on the field, so it's not, it's not a lot of things. There's not many things you can take away, but was there anything that stood out uh, that, that you guys could take something away from regardless of the situation? I mean, we came out flat. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was the biggest, yeah. That was the biggest thing. And, and, and yeah, like Cody alluded to, I mean, the, the biggest question mark right now is, is obviously having 33 guys out, more than 25% of your author, um, and, you know, a big majority of your two deep. And we had seven, you know, of those 33, uh, seven were starters, four on offense, three on defense, and 32 defensive backs were already extremely young and inexperienced at defensive backs. So that all plays 
factor in it. The question is just how much of a factor did it play, but things that you can kind of control, um, you know, you can't always control like the talent on the field because of injuries and the COVID mess and all that. You can control the intensity and, and, and how you kind of come out of the gate. Uh, we have been slow uh, at times uh, through Coach Lunsford's uh, tenure with us, especially on the road, um, but we saw it in the first game at Campbell, um, just kind of coming out flat and then we kind of to wake up a little bit there, um, have to play the third quarter. Um, okay, guys, we need a third quarter touchdowns, and we're going to lose to an FCS team. Uh, we're able to string uh, some guys together, and we're able to save that game for the win. But yeah, that's, that's going to be, to me, that's kind of the biggest key. You know, I, I think on paper, we do match up well, and I, I think we have just as much talent as you guys, um, if, if not more so. But, you know, I, I, especially in certain positions, but it's, it's just going to be a matter of if we're ready to play. That hasn't always been the case with us. Um, and I know it probably will be the case with you guys. Um, so that's, that's the, the, I think we'll be able to um, have that answer um, pretty quickly on Saturday um, for us to drive whether or not we stay in the game. Yeah, you know, you talked about the 33 guys that you were missing in the in the game against Campbell the the large belief, especially coming out of Statesboro, is that you're going to have most of them back for Saturday, uh, including star running back Wesley Kennedy the third. Uh, what what kind of dynamic does he provide to what's already considered a pretty difficult run game to defend against? You want to take that, Cody? I, yeah, I think we can. We'll probably both jump in on this one. Um, he is kind of just like a Swiss Army knife. You can line him up anywhere on the offense, and he's always going to be a mismatch for uh, the opposing defense. If you put him in the backfield, you have to worry about him either taking the dive or the pitch. You put him on in a slot, which uh, we used him early on, I think his sophomore year. Then you have to worry about his uh, route running and his ability to match up against linebackers or safeties or potential corners that can't keep up with him. So um, he has great hands as a receiver as well. So he's always a tough matchup regarding the defense that we go up against. And it's always somebody that y'all are going to have to kind of keep eyes on. If not, then he has the ability to take it to the house. And that's something too, that is something that we need in this offense. Shy can take it to the house, but even more so Wesley Candy can. He can be that home run threat that defenses have to be aware of. When he's not on the field, you can certainly tell that we miss that a lot. Yeah. So, so he missed, four games last year, had some academic issues, and it was night and day. I mean, it was night and day on offense. Of, um, just, just not having him out there, even when he's not touching the ball, obviously, you know, we, we talk all the time on the podcast about get 12 balls as much as possible. Um, but he's also a deep point, right? That, you know, just having him on the field, everybody's better uh, because the defense has to keep eyes on him and, and be worried about him every play. Um, to me, too, the specialty, you know, he, he's our main uh, kickoff and punt returner, and we saw again Campbell uh, a drop off there. You know, uh, Caleb Hood is uh, you know he's a sophomore, talented guy. Um, you know, really excited about what he can bring to the offense. Uh, you know, moving forward, but we we definitely missed Kennedy being back there, and and he is a game changer on special teams as well. Um, so you know, and you guys know that from the Iowa State game of, of how that can kind of turn a game around. So I think having him on the field and, and getting the ball in his hands as much as possible on offense and on special teams um, is is definitely the key uh, for us. You know what? I'm not I'm not going to doubt Wesley Kennedy because he is a he is a major home run threat. But 
do not forget that on the defensive side of the football, we have speed. The national defensive player of the week from week one in Farad Gardner. You, you guys are going to hear his name a lot. Well, mostly because of the scheme that you run, but our linebackers are going to have to come out and use their speed and athleticism to stop him. So I expect Farad to be in on a lot of plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that also comes to the line because we struggled some, uh, you know, on the offensive line, especially against Campbell and Aiden back the last season. And, um, you know, where, where we got some guys back, uh, we did, you know, of that 33, um, there were some linemen in there. Um, you know, we also had injuries last year. It got guys back. We're trying to get solidified there on the offensive line. And, and to me, that's, that's the position group that I'm going to be uh, looking closely at um, because you guys are very athletic um, on, on defense. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to need uh, at least adequate blocking, uh, which we didn't see against Campbell, um, to, to stay in a chance to get the run game for a while. You know, one thing that I mentioned to Danny was that maybe, you know, there's actually a, kind of a blessing in disguise there where you, you had some guys that might not typically get playing time early in the season that had to, you know, were forced into service. So, you know, maybe that actually comes into play later and benefits the Eagles. Uh, I have a question. You mentioned coming out a little bit flat, and uh, it, it's it kind of goes into that into that uh, principle with Chad Lunsford. Do you, do you guys typically come out? ready to play and prepared under Chad? And then also I would say from a fan standpoint in the fan base, what is your guys feeling uh, with Chad? Is people are, are people pretty happy with, you know, him going into his third full season, fifth, fourth season, but third full season this year. Are people pretty happy with the direction of the program? Okay, I'll, I'll probably uh, be you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Let, I'll take your or your last question. I'll answer that one first. I think overall, most fans are still generally happy with Chad Lunsford and the direction that he wants to lead the program in. I think where you get a lot of maybe mm, distrust or anger amongst fans is maybe more directed at offensive coordinator or offensive line coach, particularly how they don't like maybe how play calling is or they don't like offensive line play. So if you're going to see any anger or uprising or anything like that, it's going to be more towards that area of the football program. I think Chad Lunsford is still, he's pretty much still beloved by fans for the most part. You guys still um, have uh, Ron Hudson over there? Former Cajun? Yes, we do. Yeah, so yeah. people don't like the Cajun over there. Oh, man, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I just think that there's always been a standard of offensive line play, and people feel like they haven't seen that the last couple of seasons. Now, last season, Matt and I made the argument that we had a lot of injuries on that offensive line. You really can't help it when you're dealing with, even as Lunsford put it, we had walk-ons in and practice squad guys out there playing games. Um, and you can only really do what you can do with that. Um, but, you know, your more passionate fans sometimes don't see that or, or, or care not to take or, or like that argument. Um, they expect excellence regardless of what happens. Um, but it's not a whole lot of the fan base, and it's more kind of the extreme um, measures. But if you're looking anywhere in which there's any negativity, that's where it's directed at, not at once. Um, as far as flat goes, I think we have like a Deckard and Hyde team sometimes. Um, if you look back on our road games against Minnesota and App State, our team came out pretty well, um, started off with intensity, and it lasted through the entire game. But if you were to look at South Alabama on the road, if you look at the Troy game last year on the road, we were flat and just were not into it at all. So it's kind of, I think, and Matt will probably back me up on this, we kind of really don't know what team's going to come out, and we won't know until probably right at the beginning 
first series, second series of the first quarter. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and that's the thing is, you know, and I was talking with you guys before we went on air, but the definitely a Jekyll and Hyde uh, feel to the team. And it seems, you know, we do get up for games that we should get up for. Um, so that's promising because this is included in that, obviously. With uh, being a ranked team, I mean, with the two ranked teams we played in the Sun Belt, both being at eight, uh, we won in that exact year. And obviously, that's my board game, too, um, which just doesn't necessarily classify as that. But I, there's no reason why we shouldn't be serious. Um, you know, with the first road game of the season, uh, we should be hungry. We didn't get to play last week. Uh, you know, it was an impromptu bye week, not a planned one, because uh, after you postponed, so hopefully we're we're ready to go and ready to prove all the naysayers wrong, right? Look, you know what happened against Campbell. That was because thirty-three players were out. This is what we're actually about. This is what we can do. This is how much talent we have. This is the offensive scheme that we want to run. This is how good the uh, you know defensive play can be. So um, yeah, I, it, it, it's it's like I said, it, within the first couple of drives, we're going to be able to tell. At least I will. Of whether or not we stay in a game. Um, because, you know, if we come out just fired up, I think we've got a really good shot. And, and, and not only, you know, uh, pulling a Georgia State and, and keeping it close and pulling it to overtime, but maybe just winning it straight out light. I mean, I, I really do. However, if we come out flat like we have time and time again, um, especially on the road after uh, the watch, it can get ugly uh, really fast and then stay ugly and, and, and be, you know, a game where you start having fans start calling, you know, if, if, if it ends up being a, a blowout loss. Yeah, you know, last year when when we came to Statesboro, you know, we pretty much, for for lack of better terms, we dominated the game from start to finish. Um, and you know, for for the most part, we're basically the same team that we were last year, if not maybe even a little bit better. In, in your guys' opinion from last year to this year, how have you guys grown as a program? And uh, do you think you have a better football team this year than you did last year? I'd like to think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly if you take it back before the Campbell game, first year players, all that kind of stuff, um, we, I think, Corey and I both agree that, that we did, right? I mean, we have a ton of uh, senior leadership, a ton of starters returning, obviously lost, you know, some key ones, especially in the defensive backfield with um, Octavia Brinson and Kendall Vildor now with uh, the Chicago Bears. But, you know, our, our front seven's back, uh, four-year starter at quarterback, uh, a ton of running back options. Um, we are, are super deep there. And we get, uh, you know, better tight end play uh, as we bring back Doug Roos, our former coordinator under um, Willie Fritz. Uh, you know, a lot of people you know, love him and, and like to maybe see him take over the office of uh, play calling duties uh, you know, at, at some point. But uh, he's our tight end coach right now, which uh, we hope will improve the blocking. So, yeah, I mean, we, we thought we would be markedly better um, than last year. Obviously, really tough schedule last year. Probably the toughest schedule we've had since being an FCS member. Still able to win seven games. Um, this was kind of the year that we thought we would uh, finally make the push to, you know, win another Sun Belt championship. Um, you know, since uh, the last one and when we came to the Sun Belt in 2014, so we we thought that it was kind of a three team race 
since how we saw it, maybe a fourteen race uh, between us two guys and, and that place. And I like to think, you know, <laughs> that it's still feel that way. Um, I'll, I'll let you know after Saturday. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it, we, we have a lot of talent. We do, and and we can do some of the things that both Tony and I have mentioned. Um, I think it can still be really special. Game. Yeah, and I'll jump in on this too. Between the difference between last year's game and this year's game is that, um, first of all, Shy works. That was the first thing that he came back from his LSU injury with a shoulder. So I don't think he was really 100% quite right with that injury. And this year he's fully healthy. Um, Wesley Kennedy wasn't in the game last year. He was still out with his suspension to open up the season. And then the third thing too, is that Jay King, who is the transfer running back from Oklahoma state, he had really just found out that he was eligible to play a week before the season started. So he was still kind of getting in the reps and playing mode with the first and second string team and really wasn't getting the majority of the handoffs are really in the game a whole lot and was kind of building towards that. And if you look at our season, as it went on, he, one, got more carries, but two, became a lot better and his numbers really improved going from really, I would say, probably beginning to mid-October through the rest of the season. Um, and then the last thing I'll add to it is that um, going into last season, we had three restoring offensive linemen, one of which went down with an injury before the season started. The second one went down in game two and couldn't come back for the rest of the season. And we were kind of just trying to piecemeal um, an offensive line at all, already by the time that we played Joe last year. Um, I think this year the offensive line should be a more solidified group. J.D. King has had a full season reps. He knows the playbook. Wesley Kennedy obviously is back. Shy works is healthy. Those four things, I think, are going to be big factors going into this game. Yeah, Matt mentioned last year's game. Uh, I was very concerned going into that game last year, as I am this game this year. Uh, anytime you play a program that expects to win, you guys have tons of history and tradition. Anytime you play a program like that, that's concerning just from a psychological standpoint. Number two, when you play a team that runs an option, uh, you find out how disciplined your defense is. And I don't know if we've been put in too many of those type of situations just yet. I think we've gotten away with some blown assignments so far in the first two games. So very concerning. Uh, I would ask this, when we played last year, was there something that the Cajuns did well, or was there a position group that got exploited that you guys didn't expect? I think you had great quarterback play from Eli Lewis last year. Um, and your offensive line really took control, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, and I'll kind of let Matt take over from there, but those are the two big things last year that stood out with me. Um, and what I'm kind of really looking for in this game is how well does Levi Lewis play and how well does your offensive line take on our front seven? Yeah, yeah so the only thing I'd add to that, I agree uh, with Odie. Um, I, I would, uh, expectation uh, part of it. I would say special teams, uh, if I remember right, right then we took two uh, punts in that game. Um, that yeah, it's a little bit early. Um, so that that to me again, I think you know, once again, back there on the return game, and um, you know, we do have a punter returning. And then, you know, I I don't know the NCAA stats for it, but I mean, we we had several, not just in the game against you guys, but uh, several games last year where we had uh, four smart punts. Um, I don't know if it's the spin. You know, we talked about it on the podcast that uh, that big punt on the ball, but that that's going to be. Um, I think that can be key to the same too, as special teams. And, uh, you know, with that, we have a new kicker um, that we 
saw some promising things come uh, against Campbell. Uh, we had one last snap, which obviously was as Pump uh, connected on uh, two other field goals. So, um, but obviously losing Tyler Bass, um, arguably the best uh, you know kicker we've ever had at Georgia Southern. Now with Buffalo Bills, obviously we also have the other way too, the kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so we're building a legacy there. Uh, but yeah, special case, I think. So that that, that uh, game last year against the guys um, would have looked a lot different, I think, without those two muff um, runs that kind of set us up and got the game. So I think uh, that will be a key factor. I agree with that. And I forgot about Garrar's. Uh, well, it's Garrer. I've been saying it wrong all this time. Nobody corrected me, but Garrer dropped the ball twice last year. I remember it now that you mentioned it. Um, and another thing about our special teams is if you guys watch the Iowa State game, special teams really helped us win that game. But at the same time, our kicking game is still a little bit of an adventure. So I agree the special teams is going to play an interesting role in this game. Um, I always like to talk to, uh, especially when we get a fan podcast on, what what is the feeling uh, towards our program from from your guys fan base like from all of your um, any kind of correspondence you guys are getting you know on the forums or on your podcast or whatever what's the feeling towards our fans our program and uh, what's the overall like I don't know the feeling is the only word I can come up with but when you guys think of the Cajuns is there any hate is there good sports hate you know is there any kind of jab that, you know I know our name thing is always an issue but what's the feeling over there uh, respect especially the last couple of years uh, with what Billy Napier is building over there um, and then y'all you know, have the best food at the tailgates yeah those are the, those are the two big things yeah, yeah. It's good tailgate experience. Good, good game day atmosphere. Um, I've heard from the fans. Uh, you know, the concessions and everything. You know, you guys have jambalaya and all that kind of stuff, um, and not just your normal hot dog hamburger stuff. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's respect. I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I think maybe early on, I haven't heard it in recent years, but I'm, I'm trying to think back early on. If you went. Georgia Southern, that they entered the Sun Belt as the newcomers. Um, obviously, you guys, they, they kind of toy in Arkansas State, were, you know, the teams. You know, the teams to kind of be in the conference. And then we came in full force, you know, our first year and won the Sun Belt. That state obviously has had a ton of success. And I think early on, I've heard stuff with our fans of like maybe dislike of, of the Louisiana fan base. Um, but I haven't really heard that. Um, no, I don't. I think it's a lot just respect of the programs and kind of what y'all done over there um, in Lafayette and then what we've done here in Statesboro. But it's nothing, it's not like the hate that you would see between us and App or the disrespect that right. you've seen between us and Georgia State. Right. Yeah. So, so with, with, with those two, you know, with, you have a mix of hate and respect with App hate, um, you just have hate and respect. <laughs> so, you know, that with, with our fans. Yeah, there's really no respect there at all for that program. So I went with that state is definitely a, a, a respecting kind of uh, hybrid. I agree. I, I was thinking along similar lines with us. Uh, have you guys had the opportunity to come into Lafayette? I have not. I went to the LT game last year, um, stayed in New Orleans, went up to Baton Rouge, had a great experience there. First time actually in Louisiana. Um, so, so, yeah, obviously I haven't been to. Uh, y'all games or ULM, uh, but I want to make it out there. I, I get hear great things just about the tailgating and the game day experience. Yeah, I have not. I got I got two small ones, so traveling right now is, is out of the question. 
Yeah, totally understand that. Recording a podcast, right? So yeah, it's hard for Cody and yeah, life life definitely keeps away. But hopefully, once things get back to normal, you know, you know, when you don't have twenty five percent capacity, all this, love to take down there and see game. Yeah, no, no question about it, guys. Before we wrap up, I've got one more question, and you know, obviously, Georgia Southern is known for the 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 motto the the four letter acronym GATA um and obviously everybody with a mind knows what that means um kind kind of talk about how that came about and you know how it's how it's grown into this phenomenon in Statesboro I'll let you, you take that one off Matt no I'll let you take that um, one uh, so that's what we call an irkism. Our legendary uh, football coach, Kirk Russell, um, he used to uh, say it all the time. It did uh, actually come from the University of Georgia, which I think is hard for a lot of fans to kind of come to terms with. But we've definitely made it our own and kind of adopted it. And I think our program is synonymous with that thing. I mean, I've, I covered high school sports for a number of years. You see high schools using it. You see some other colleges using it. But I, I think it is synonymous with Georgia Southern. And it's a mentality. It's a, it kind of ties into just all the traditions we have and the blue-collar mentality that we have in the program. When Eric Russell came as the defense coordinator at Georgia after winning a national championship there, and the only national championship, <laughs> uh, came down to Georgia Southern to start a program uh, since disbanding it for World War II. Um, had immediate success, uh, really with nothing. I mean, you know, was able to bring a lock on to get a, uh, a football to the uh, original oh, program, Kmart. Kmart. Yeah, I had to go out to Kmart to get a football. Um, it put Matt and Kate on the helmet because they had a little bit of flair and we've kind of kept the same look, you know, ever since. Uh, so just that blue ball style, that's what it's about, you know, not being intimidated. Uh, by number 19 teams, right? Not being intimidated when you go and face the University of Georgia or University of Florida um, and just go in there with a strong work ethic and be in the right headspace uh, to go out there and grind out the win. Yeah, and I would I would jump on the mentality aspect of it too. And as far as the fan base goes, just take it and translate it into whatever you do in your life, like work, school, family, whatever. Just get after it and do right and, and, and handle business. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's just an overall mentality as a Georgia Southern fan that GATA, that's how we, you know, that's how we live. We do right and we get after it. And that's it. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate you guys taking time to come on and, and visit with us. Continued success with your podcast. I'm a fan. I've, I've been able to listen to a few episodes. I really like what you guys do. I, I, I agree with what you said earlier. Uh, I think that there's a, a burgeoning market with this podcast thing. I think we need to continue to, to strengthen that network. So anytime you guys want to come on or vice versa, let's do it. Let's continue to make it better. And uh, we'll see y'all guys soon. And uh, if you get down to Lafayette, he'll link up with us. And you got a place to stay or eat over here at my place. Yeah, sounds great, guys. I appreciate you having us on. And I agree with that. Uh, definitely keep up the, the network thing going. Yeah, exactly. Likewise, I'm in Statesboro. Every need a place to hang out or eat, swing on by. Appreciate that, guys. Y'all have a good one. There they go, Matt and Cody at the GATA Talk podcast. Josh, is there anything else you want to say before we we throw it to one last break? I like those guys. They know their team. I respect that. I appreciate people that follow their programs with passion and 
take the time to do something like a podcast. I mean, you know the work that goes into this thing. So I have a very healthy respect for those guys and, and anybody who does it. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll be back right after this break. We'll break down the two interviews that we've brought to you guys. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the game this weekend right here on Rage and Review. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Rage and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying BK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Back to Ridge Interview, Matt Miguez, Man About Town, Josh Jagno. We want to once again want to say thank you to Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, as well as Matt and Cody from Gata Talk for sitting down with us to go behind enemy lines. Josh, right off the bat, what was your thought about the two interviews and you know how how are you feeling going into Saturday? Well, I love that Gata thing. It's like the best slogan. Get after that ass, Get baby. Get after that ass. I like that. Uh, both guys, uh, well, well, both the podcast and Danny. Danny, what do you say? Danny's awesome. He knows his stuff. He's a pro, and uh, he was he was great. I could have asked that guy 50 more questions. So I certainly appreciate him coming, but it's been good and fun to do these Behind Enemy Lines uh, episodes, man. You just learn so much. The thing about the shy words comments that he made – you know, I, I'm a big sports hate guy, but when you hear stories like that, it makes you kind of root for those people. Yeah, I say you can't hate the guy. You can't hate them. Uh, so I got to stop asking those good questions. Yeah, you know, the, the, the shy words cocaine thing was wow, such a debacle. Stupid. It was stupid then. And, you know, everything that you could read on their board and, and things that were coming out of Statesboro, they knew immediately that it was horseshit. Right. They told you know, they, 
You know, you, you can look at the picture that circulated on social media about the whole scenario, and you look at the stuff on his car. I remember looking at it the day after the news broke, and I was like, huh? That's bird shit. Yeah. It wasn't coke. Everybody, I mean. Yeah, it definitely wasn't coke. I mean, you know, so. Like, that's ridiculous. Not to bring it back to this, but. I I hate to say this. I hope all those officers were fired. Well, he said he was relieved of his duty, so. But this is the thing, dude. Like, that could have ruined that guy's life. Are you kidding? Absolutely. Totally ruined. I mean, what a promising future and what a stalwart he had been at that university and in that community. And for something stupid like that to happen. And And he he was in South Carolina when it happened, correct? Uh, I think he was out of state, yeah, because he had gone home, was it? Is he from South Carolina? Right. Something like that. But either way, you know, with everything going on now, not to tie it back too much, but I will make the comment, this is why these guys feel the need to march. It's not the foolishness with all the stuff you see on Fox News and in the media. It's because these type of things still happen. Whoever pulled him over that night had an agenda. It was very clear to everybody who was involved. And uh, I'm, I'm glad it worked out for him. It could have been a terrible situation, uh, and, 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 he, and it worked out for him, so, which is great. But I just, I'm glad that Danny talked about that. I was always wanting to speak to somebody from the program about that particular situation. So uh, I looked up the cocaine charges for the state of South Carolina. Possession of a gram or less, first offense, is a misdemeanor. Uh-huh. Carries a prison sentence of up to three years and a $5,000 fine. Yeah, that seems fair. But could you imagine I was a if joke. they would have charged him with that? I was being sarcastic. No, that's what I said. Like you could have ruined his life. Right. And, you know, you can go as far, obviously this wasn't the case, but possession with the intent to distribute. First offense is 15 years. <laughs> the good old war on drugs, man. 15 years, man. Yeah. Because, so. I mean... Just, just absolutely asinine. Did you know about the house burning down prior to that? I did not. I didn't either. I did not. So he had that. He had the the police issue, and yeah. then you got and hurt the in LSU. Right. Yeah. So man, what I mean, a, what a year. What a Works are going to break out this year. I, I think so too. And uh, you know, we, we've we talked about it at the top, but anybody thinking that Georgia Southern is coming here to lose on Saturday, they don't know what they're looking at because this thing is not going to be just a regular old walkover conference game against a bad team. They're good. Right. No, they are. I mean, they they were a good team last year. Yes, they were. Uh, you know, like like I told Danny, any time you're playing an option offense, you really got to work that much harder in practice just to be prepared. I mean, it, it, it's a when you talk about it, it sounds easy. Stick to your assignment. It's assignment football. Right. But how often are assignments blown? Well, you got to do it on every play. Right. You got to continue to do snaps it for three and a half hours. Right. It, it shows you how disciplined and how educated your team is, how prepared your team is. Yeah. So, like we talked, we talked about that. Yeah, and you know, definitely looking forward to the the home opener. Um, you know, obviously, twenty five percent capacity is going to be allowed. No tailgating. Um, you know, ten twenty five percent capacity seems impossible. I think the actual number is like 7,000. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's going to be about sixty five hundred to seven thousand. So you got to take into account. Friends and family tickets for players. You got to take into account, you know, uh, whoever that you know, whoever's on the sidelines, all this stuff. Right. I think it all goes into the capacity, right? Uh, uh No, it does uh-uh. not. Okay. Sidelines and all that. I don't think that has an effect. So a rough estimate is probably seven to eight thousand. Right. So um, I know that they're allowing, and you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the episode. I know that they're allowing five hundred students. And um, uh, by the way, that are that yeah, allotment t- is gone. gone. That's good. Tickets are gone. That's good. They were gone on the first day. 
Um, so, you know, awesome news for, for the university from a student perspective, obviously. Nobody's going to remember this, but when I was very active on the boards a couple years ago, everybody was upset about student participation. Do you remember we well, do? Because it's always been a problem. It's always been a problem. And, and what did your boy say? Your boy said, here's how you fix it. Tell them they can't come. That's what they did with COVID. They said, you can't come to our game. And guess what happened? Everybody wants to go. In two hours, 500 tickets are gone. Right. And, you know, the, the, the thing that's always bugged me is, you know, I, I get the colleges about, you know, partying and hanging out with your friends and, what you know, whatever else. However, if you are going to walk into a college football game being played by your classmates and peers. At a high level, nationally ranked. Why wouldn't you? Well, even last year. 11-win team. Why wouldn't you stay for the whole damn game? And it was free. Because, I mean, again, I, I still sit in the student section. I'm not a student anymore. Still sit in the student section. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times at the end of the first quarter, it's a mass exodus. By going to the club for what? It's 6.45. Lafayette's a scene town. Always has been. It's 6.45 p.m. I know. You know the club doesn't really get popular till 10. So you can stay for the whole game, go to the club after. You get the best of both worlds. What? What's? Well, you know what the students say. Well, you know, the, the connectivity for the internet is bad and I got to post my TikTok. I got to do my Insta snap and my Snap chase. Snap. snap face and, and Twitter stuff. I got to do all that stuff. You know, you got to do that every two seconds. You got to stare at the phone. But how about this? How about you put the phones in the pocket and watch a football game? Because that's why you're there. Right. But I don't want to crush the students. I'm glad that we actually have some some student interest. I just find it very funny that now that we can't go to the games, we want to go to the games. It's fun. Right. It's fun how that works out. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the way it always is. Josh, how do you how well do you think the Cajuns come home and perform in front of the first home crowd of the year? I think that we'll be prepared to play like we always are. Uh, I think you might see a little bit of extra something. Uh, you didn't really see it in Iowa State because I think there was a lot of trepidation there. You're playing a top 25 program. You want to you, you want to come out and, and put your best foot forward. But the thing is, is there's probably a little bit of um, nervousness there. There's there's some anxiety because you want to play so well because you think you're playing such a great team. And then follow that up with going on the road and playing Georgia State, who you expect to beat. And you're coming off of the highest high you've ever felt as a college athlete. There's so much psychological, uh, psychologically that uh, we didn't know where we didn't know how to expect, uh, how to deal with, whatever. There's so much going on there. So you got two games there that that are outside of the norm. I think coming home for week three and things are going to settle down. You have your routine. You you have some success under your belt, but you also have some game experience under your belt. I I, I expect. A, a more even-keeled football team on Saturday. I think being home is good. Sleeping in your own bed is good. You know, kind of getting rid of some of some of those bad feelings you had at Georgia State come into play. And I expect us to play sound football. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I, I expect to see a team prepared and playing sound ball. Yeah, there there's definitely going to be a, a level of you know, excitement in the air, definitely, because, you know, you're coming home for your home opener. There's going to be a different level of focus from from the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Saturday is going to be the best game that we've played so far this year. 
um, just because, you know, you're at home. You're comfortable. This is where this is where you've practiced all offseason. This is where this is where you know how to play. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's going to be a different level of, of excitement and energy coming from the sidelines. You know. And you fl- you're playing in front of mom and daddy. Right. And right. your girl. Right. And your cousins. Yeah. You know, it, it's a little bit different. It just being at home is always better. Always, always better. And, you know, we talked with Danny about the, the unit matchups and what we're most excited about. You talked about the offensive line against the Cajuns' defensive line. Yes. Why, why does that why is that a concern for for you well again it's assignment football so if if our defensive linemen which look i have a ton of confidence in taylor humphrey to disrupt what they want to do but what they want to do is they want to hit you shed your block from a defensive line standpoint and get to the second level so they can occupy linebackers we are fortunate in that we have four maybe even five with tyler gidry starting to come around uh fast athletic linebackers that can make plays if you're if you're Linebackers are free to make plays against an option. You can be successful. Again, you got to stay within yourself and, and keep your assignments. But as long as our defensive line is able to set the edge, disrupt their offensive linemen trying to pull or get to the second level, that's where defensively we can have a lot of success. Also, Cam Podesclo, very good run defender. Uh, Percy Butler, very good run defender. Our cornerbacks, especially if AJ is back, very, very physical on the outside. I have a lot of confidence in those guys because of the way we play with physicality. But the defensive line will set the tone. If the defensive line can disrupt what the offensive line of Georgia Southern is going to try to do, we can be successful. If they don't, if they don't, they will run, they'll run wild. I'm just here to tell you. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you're wrong, and I think that that's going to be something that we're definitely going to have to take into consideration. What is your matchup that you're looking for? I can tell you another matchup, number two, that if, if I wasn't going to say the offensive line, I would say this. Levi Lewis against their secondary. Yeah. They have a rebuilt secondary back there. I expect to run the ball, but if we try to throw the ball, right. I, I, I... I was going to say shy words against our linebackers. There you go. Um... You know, because Shai's a guy that can obviously throw the ball pretty well, but obviously he's most dangerous with his feet. Um, so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game for guys like Andre Jones, Farad Gardner, uh, maybe even Lorenzo McCaskill. McCaskill's gonna have to be big. Just uh, you know, trying trying to contain, put put a contain on on Shai Words, make him throw the ball. Because I'm not gonna say that he's uncomfortable throwing the ball. Yeah. But he's more uncomfortable throwing the ball than he is running it. Yeah. So I, th- I think you got to get him out of his comfort zone a little bit, make him rush some decisions, uh, force some turnovers. You uh, know, we've seen Patrick Tony bring more blitz packages and, and more pressure than we had under Ron. Uh, I think that that is a testament to how much he trusts his secondary. Here's the thing. That can work for or against. If we get a few TFLs and early downs and set them up, kind of like Danny said, in third and long, we can win that battle consistently. If you look at the stat line at the end of the game and your linebackers lead the team in tackles, we will have won the game. If your secondary leads the team in tackles in that stat line after the game, we will have lost the game. Yeah, there, there's no no question about that. Um, and that's definitely something that, that concerns me going into this ball game. Josh, what's your prediction for Saturday? Oh, man, you go first. Oh, man. You know, I, I'm gonna say this. I, I think that we're gonna be a pissed off football team after the way we played this past Saturday. 
we're we're clearly not happy with the performance. Um, you, you can I don't know if anybody has watched the culture series that Doug Domain put out last night. Oh, I didn't watch it. Th- don't, the, don't ruin it for me. From the Georgia State game. Oh God, it's so good. But you know, at the end of it, you know, he always has a clip of Billy Napier in the locker room after the game, mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, nobody said it was going to be easy. He said, but I look around this room, and I see a bunch of faces that are not satisfied. You are not satisfied with the way you played on that field today. And they're not. They shouldn't Nobody's be. satisfied. It wasn't good. So I, I think he's going to be a pissed-off football team using a lot of energy, a lot of momentum. They're going to come out hot. I think they're going to come out early, come out often. I think Georgia Southern's going to do the same. They're pissed off, obviously, because they didn't get to play last week. Um, you know, they like Danny and the guys from Gate always said, they get up for these games. They do. Um, they have a history of winning these games. I think it's going to be a close one. I think we come out and win, but I don't think it'll be easy. 37-27. Fair enough. Uh, like, I st- like I said at the top, this is going to be the third different style of team that we will have played in three weeks. Iowa State wanted to spread you out on the outside and throw it around. Georgia State wanted to spread you out with the, the zone read, and the, I thought they executed pretty well. Uh, but Georgia State's going to bunch you in and then try to string you out along the edges, or they're just going to go right up the middle at you. Are we prepared for that? Um, I don't doubt our coaching staff one bit. However, we still have young guys in key spots. We still have, you still have to go out and play the game. You still have to be assignment sound for what maybe 70, 80 snaps. I look for it to be a short game. The clock's going to run. If the offense can stay on the field, I think we can win the game by a touchdown or more. If the offense continues to sputter and the defense is tired, Georgia Southern will bust some runs. I'm telling I'm I'm just telling you. Kennedy is a legitimate I think he's an NFL running back and he's a legitimate home run threat. Not only that, he can catch the ball in the backfield, he can block, he does everything well and he's a terrifying little player. Uh, as far as the prediction goes, I, I don't really like giving scores because who the hell knows, but th- like I said at the top, this money line, uh, I'm sorry, the spread is completely insane. I think the Cajuns survive 27-21 on Saturday. I, I'm telling you, I, I am very scared to lose this game, more so than Georgia State. Interesting. I think they're very good. I said all offseason, the number one team that I'm scared of in this league is Georgia Southern. They improved. They get a lot back off of injuries. Shy Wirtz is on it. This is his senior year. He's gone through hell. He's out to, to make some believers out of people. Uh I'm just very, very concerned about this football game, man. I, I, Dang, valid, valid concerns. It's, it's true. It is. All right, guys, Sunbelt recap for week five. I mean, Sunbelt preview for technically it's week four of college football. Um, for most of Sunbelt schools, it is week three, however. So tomorrow night, Thursday on ESPN, 6.30 p.m. kickoff, UAB against South Alabama. you got to love an in-state rivalry. UAB is currently listed as a seven-point favorite. UAB is seven-point favorite? Correct. Hmm. Well, I would typically say go Jags because of conference, but I'll say go Blazers because we want them to be as good as they can possibly be before we play. Yeah, you know, I I, I disagree with that, but okay. You go go Jags. Yeah. Okay. I I want I want UAB to be emotionally down. Well, yeah, but strength of schedule mean? standpoint, like if we stay in well, the yeah, national from, conversation from a, from a strength of schedule standpoint, yeah, I'd like UAB to win. Speaking of that, we got to find out who the Cyclones play. 
Iowa State. Go Cyclones. Absolutely. Always. Saturday, Georgia Southern and Louisiana at 11 a.m. ESPN 2, Louisiana listed as a 13.5 point favorite currently, according to the Caesars Sportsbook. Hmm. At 11 on ESPN Plus, Campbell will go to Appalachian State. Did you just say Appalachian? I said Appalachian. I might have said Appalachian, my bad. Bad, bad business over there. Appalachian State, and it is currently a 35.5 point line. I'll take the Camels in 33.5. In in, in favor of the Mountaineers. Also at 11 on ESPNU, Charlotte and Georgia State. It is a two-point Panthers advantage. Interesting. Georgia State's better than people think. I'm just telling you. At 2.30 on the U, UTEP and UL Monroe. UL Monroe, although they're 0-2, are a 9.5-point favorite. How bad is UTEP? Over the 2-1 Roadrunners. Good God. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, go Monroe, I guess. 2.30 ESPN 2, Tulsa and Arkansas State. And I will never cheer for Monroe. That's one conference team I will not cheer for. I won't do it. Yeah, I guess. I won't do it. They don't. Uh, they don't bother me at all. I, Tulsa, they're in state, but whatever. Tulsa and Arkansas State, two thirty on the two. Arkansas State's currently listed as a two point favorite. Good game. I think it's gonna be a good game. At five on ESPN three, Texas State and Boston College. Boston College is currently an eighteen point favorite. Hmm. Vit again? I would imagine. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Uh, um, I think he's but, keeping his job. He's played yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. And then the nightcap, 9.15 p.m. on ESPN. Troy heads out west to play the number 18 BYU Cougars. Go Trojans. BYU currently listed as a 14-point Troy, Troy looked good last week, dude. That's your Sun Belt preview. Things are going to be a lot of good Sun Belt games this weekend. Um, you know, thank you to our sponsors as always, guys. Uh, Josh, appreciate you coming in as you always do. For shizzle. You can follow us on all social media at Rage and Review, RageandReviewPod.com, and you can get this podcast pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Google, Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Uh, currently, our hosting platform is Captivate. We are switching from SoundCloud to Captivate. We'll do more on that. We'll give a whole yeah, rundown we'll, of what's we'll, up. We'll, we'll give you guys some more information on that in the coming weeks. But until then, I'm Matt. He's Josh. Go Cajuns. Hail State. Go Cajuns. Tell them Owie.